one place is a must in the Best of the West program, and that's Las Vegas, which was much smaller in the 80s than it is now. I went to a conference a few years ago, and I hardly recognized it. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. The first time I traveled to Los Angeles was in 1987, when I was still working for my old company, for Air Tour Swiss. They had advertised round trips in the west of the USA in a newspaper, and I had never been to this part of the US before. And it was also one of my first big round trips And I didn't really know what I was doing. And I didn't like LA. We stayed in a hotel downtown. And the area was very unattractive, to say the least. And I'm pretty sure that I heard gunshots in the night. But having said that, LA really grew on me. And the more I visited it, on more trips, other trips, the more I got to love it. When I started working with Kuoni the big tour operator, we always stayed in Hollywood. And that was a lot more fun. And when I visited LA with my kids a few years ago, a few times, once we stayed at the famous Roosevelt Hotel, and another time in Santa Monica, which I absolutely love. Los Angeles is huge and very diverse. Public transport is practically non-existent and one needs a car. I learned to love driving in LA after my initial fear of these wide highways. I was terrified at the beginning. But then I discovered that it's all very easy, very well marked. And the drivers are friendly and courteous compared to what I'm used to here in Cyprus or at the time when I was driving in Tunisia or in Egypt. During one of my stays in LA in 1989, I had some time off. One group had left and the new one only arrived two days later and I was bored. Killing time, walking around the hotel. It was one of those hotels somewhere near the airport, very unattractive. And I didn't really know what to do. I didn't want to go sightseeing because sightseeing was my job. And I noticed a board at one of the ballrooms which said public speaking seminar. And I thought, wow, that's one way to spend the day. Public speaking is what I do. And maybe I can learn something. Up to this day, I cannot remember if I actually paid for my attendance of this seminar. But I was fascinated by the presenter. And at the end of the day, I bought his book which is called Unlimited Power. And yes, you probably guessed by now, the presenter of this public speaking seminar was a very young and very energetic Tony Robbins. If you have listened to all my episodes, you may remember that just a few months before, I had discovered that I had a subconscious mind because I had bought the book, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy. And this was really a phase in my life where my personal development journey began. I had learned that I can create my life by setting goals and doing all the work. 
I had learned that every decision has consequences, which we are responsible for. This was a phase of change and mental growth, and I became more confident and definitely more content. And I still pick up unlimited power once in a while when I need a push. So whenever I was in LA with a group, I used to take my clients to Nita's Thai restaurant on Sunset Boulevard. Nita, the owner, was a funny, lively Thai woman. And over the years, we had become friends. It so happened that one night, my best friend Ruth from Switzerland was also in town with another tour group. And they had just arrived and had a long bus uh, trip. So her clients stayed in the hotel. And Ruth joined me and my clients for a Thai meal. The food was delicious always. And that night the restaurant wasn't so busy. So Nita said to us, come on, girls, take your clients back to the hotel. We are going for a drive. We were all in a good mood. I dropped off my clients at the Holiday Inn Hollywood and got into Nita's car. And as we were cruising around, joking and laughing, I noticed that we were driving past the Beverly Hills Hotel. I had never been there, never been inside, but I had read about it and was fascinated because I knew that lots of famous people would stay there or go for meals. So I asked Nita to stop and check the place out and she immediately agreed. So we were a little courageous from too much Singa beer at Nita's restaurant. So Ruth and I decided to go to the reception and ask for a tour of the hotel, pretending that we were buyers representing our Swiss tour operator. And we introduced Nita as our local agent. It may also be important to know that by that time, it was way past 10 o'clock in the evening. And this friendly receptionist asked us to wait. And just a few minutes later, a very good-looking manager on duty came to meet us. We were a little shocked because we didn't expect that anyone in this hotel would pay any attention to us. And boy, did he take his job seriously. He took us everywhere, showed us to every possible room category, the suites, the bungalows that cost over $10,000 a night. We walked around the gardens and the pool, and he even took us inside the famous polo lounge. I was so shocked that I wouldn't have even noticed anyone famous, even if someone had been there. The whole tour took over an hour. And at the end, he offered us a drink, which we kindly declined because we wanted to go to sleep. These tours were hard work and we usually got up at six o'clock every morning. And I still wonder what he thought when he read tour leader on our business cards which we handed to him in the end. The conclusion is, be careful what you ask for. Some of our tours that left from LA, they went down to San Diego, which I think is one of the most beautiful towns in the US with the best climate. The kids and I visited my husband's cousin George and his wife Susie there a few years ago. And we had lots of fun and a wonderful time with them at Balboa Park and on the beach of the Coronado Hotel. I love taking the train called the Pacific Surfliner. I just think that's such a cool name for a train from downtown LA to San Diego. 
Other tours went straight from LA to Phoenix, and we usually stayed in a very cool hotel in Scottsdale. I remember it had a jacuzzi in the garden. Each room had a jacuzzi in the garden. Or on some tours, we stayed a couple of nights at the Wickenburg Range in Arizona and went horse riding early in the morning and had barbecues in the evening. These tours in the West were absolutely amazing, so diverse, and it just went from highlight to highlight. And one of those highlights was definitely the mighty Grand Canyon. I will never forget when I walked to the edge for the first time, when we arrived and I saw that gorge, that huge thing. I thought, this is just amazing. We arrived in the evening. I saw it in the evening sun, you know, this during the golden hour light. Beautiful. As I have mentioned many times before, our clients were not supposed to know that we were at the place for the first time. We were supposed to be experienced. But when I saw this place, it just took my breath away. And I don't remember how many times I have been there. And it still does. We used to stay a couple of nights in the park. Our clients booked helicopter flights. We went hiking. As far as I remember, there was horse riding as well. And with one group, I went river rafting on the Colorado River. And on another tour, I nearly got arrested. That's actually a very funny story. The people in our tour groups were always very grateful for little extra services that we provided, like taking them to nice restaurants and shows, organizing optional evening excursions, or helping them find extraordinary souvenirs. And one of the souvenirs which people like to take home from the U.S., were used old car number plates. So we used to send our bus drivers to junkyards while they were waiting for us when we visited something. And we asked them to take off number plates of cars, which were, of course, out of circulation. People often had preferences. California, New York and Texas were very popular. But it could also be another state for whatever reason. So this one evening, I was sitting in the bar of our lodge where we were staying with my German colleague, Angela, and we were exchanging some of the number plates because we had different demands from different clients. I had some plates that she needed and she had some that I needed. And totally out of the blue, we were approached by a ranger who wanted to know where those number plates came from and what we were doing with them. So we explained to him what we were doing, but he didn't believe us. And we were taken to the station. Many phone calls were made, remember, we're talking about the 80s. There wasn't this online service that there is now. Many questions were asked until they finally believed us. And believed that we hadn't just unscrewed and stolen those plates, but gotten them from a safe source. We were released after midnight, feeling a little weird and knowing that in the future, those number plate exchanges have to happen in a hotel room. Not all tours in the West had the same itinerary. On some, we went on to Bryce and Zion Canyon and enjoyed some time in Utah. Remember, we used to go to 
a place called Ruby's Inn. And I spoke to somebody on Clubhouse recently, and apparently that restaurant, Ruby's Inn, still exists. And on other tours, we went to Lake Powell, to the Rainbow Bridge. We had days on the lake. It was just a beautiful, beautiful area of the world. The possibilities in the West are limitless and there is never enough time to enjoy everything. And of course, one place is a must in the Best of the West program, and that's Las Vegas, which was much smaller in the 80s than it is now. I went to a conference a few years ago and I hardly recognized it. The place has become enormous. Back then, we used to stay at the Flamingo Hilton, and there was just a strip and downtown. And I think at the time they had started building further up the strip, but it wasn't the way it is now. Most of the people who traveled with our company tours were not experienced travelers and very often didn't speak English. And they were grateful for anything we organized for them. Whenever I was in Vegas... I offered a tool called Las Vegas by Night, where we drove down the strip. We used to go and see the volcano at the Mirage and some other things that I don't remember. We used to go and look at that famous cowboy with took an elevator and we could see Las Vegas from above. And during this tour, I also always handed out one coin to each participant so they could play a slot machine. Because some of the people who were traveling with us, they didn't feel comfortable to go into the casino on their own. So while I was waiting there for each one to play their dollar, I suddenly heard this commotion and the lights blinking on top of her slot machine. And from the corner of my eye, I watched this woman jump up and down. And with that one dollar that I had given to her, she had won. $20,000. And she was totally shocked and absolutely thrilled. And everybody was looking at us. My tour group was the center of the attraction in this casino. And she, of course, you know, stopped playing, received her money and invited the whole tour group for a dinner outside San Francisco. And at the end of the tour, of course, I got a huge tip. Another exciting experience was driving through Death Valley to Mammoth Lakes and spending time in Yosemite Park on the way to San Francisco. That's what we used to do. That was part of the route. And we used to stay in a place called Alpenhof Lodge, which belonged or was run by two Austrians. And our people were so happy to finally being able to communicate with somebody in German again after all those days of English and not being able to understand the people that they were served by. We just used to stay one night because we had lots of stuff to do in San Francisco, which was, again, the next highlight. And, you know, San Francisco again, I really don't know which is the most beautiful town, or I don't think that there is. One should not compare, but it's such a beautiful place on so many hills. We always did a city tour The classic sightseeing, like Fisherman's Wharf, the Golden Gate Bridge, the Golden Gate Park, Lombard Street, Chinatown, Twin Peaks. And we also took the boat to Sausalito and Tiburon. 
And I sometimes organized extra tours to Muir Woods. And those trees, that nature was just enormous. And also another thing that I loved was our wine tours to the Napa Valley. And then we had evening entertainment. We had a bus and a bus driver at our disposal. And so I also had a tour called San Francisco by Night, where we went on top of the Twin Peaks to see the lights and the Pacific. But sometimes in the summer, we were unlucky because there's a lot of fog in San Francisco, especially in the summer, when the Northern California climate gets very hot and creates a low-pressure zone. San Francisco, on the other hand, is surrounded by water on three sides. So the hot air rises, and it creates a vacuum for the cold, high-pressure, moisture-filled ocean air to rush in, and that creates the fog. Driving across the Golden Gate Bridge and then looking at San Francisco from the Sausalito side is quite spectacular in the night. And we all used Angelinos as our dinner place back in the 80s. And guess what? When I was there with my kids a few years ago, it was still there. One place I couldn't find anymore was the Cornelian Room on, on top of the Bank of America, where I used to invite my tour groups for a welcome drink. And when I Googled it, I found out that it closed in 2009 after 40 years of operation. I have a thing for tall buildings, even though I know that the food is usually not that good. But I love the view. And maybe it's because I just love being in control, seeing things from above. I don't know. It's definitely not because I like to look down on people. That's not me. I love people. And I always make sure that everyone is happy. When I see someone alone at an event, I always make it a point to include them. There is so much that one could write about San Francisco, but it's mostly stuff that you can read in travel books or on the internet. I prefer to talk about unusual things, like driving down south and finding out that Gilroy in Santa Clara County is the garlic capital of the world. Did you know that? Or that Clint Eastwood was the mayor of Carmel by the sea and that Carmel has no street addresses. And also, I bought all the books by John Steinbeck in Monterey because he was from the area. I think he was born in Salinas in California. Books like Canary Row, which is actually a place in Monterey, or East of Eden, of Mysore Men, The Grapes of Wrath. All these things remind me of this area of California. So driving down Big Sur along California's Pacific coast is epic and might be one of the most dramatic and magnificent drives ever because it literally hocks the cliffs, offering the most insane views. Highway number one through Big Sur was built with the help of inmates from San Quentin Prison and, of course, countless other locals. During the 50s and 60s, Big Sur became known as an area where hippies, artists, writers and actors came to live in a very natural state and away from city life. 
The drive from San Francisco along the coast is too long to do in one day. And we used to spend the night in Moro Beach, which is a beautiful place on the beach with a spectacular sunset. There are other places to visit on the way, like the Crazy Hearse Castle in San Simeon, which is worth a visit just because of its amazing view. And before getting to Santa Barbara, we used to stop for lunch in Solvang, which is a little city in Southern California's Santa Ines Valley. And it's known for its Danish-style architecture. And there are many wineries as well. And it looks like a bit of a Danish Christmas fairy tale village. There is much to be said about California. And the drive down back to LA is extraordinary. Like, of course, there's Malibu, which I mostly know from movies. I've driven through it, but I've never actually stayed there. And I'm dreaming to be invited to one of those beautiful homes by someone famous. We tried to book a table at the Nobu in Malibu last time, but of course it was fully booked. I had forgotten what these places are like. You book a month ahead or more, like we used to in the good old times at Musso and Frank or Chasen's or Spago. But we still got our culinary highlights when we were there last time at Yamashiro or the Thai patio on Hollywood Boulevard, which we like so much. My last official tour for Kuodi before I decided to quit the gypsy life was actually a Best of the West tour. And I will never forget driving towards LAX airport, saying my goodbyes to the group, like I always did, but knowing only me that this was it. I was going to settle down in Switzerland and stay there forever. And of course, we all know by now that this didn't happen. I didn't stay in Switzerland for a while. I only stayed for a few years and then eventually settled in Cyprus. And don't worry, there are so many more trips to talk about. Stay with me and let me entertain you. I still have so much to tell you. If you like my podcast, please subscribe and follow and tell all your friends and family and everybody you know about it. If you like what you hear and you want to know more about what I do, Check out my website, www.thesoulkit.com.